Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ask Geeks podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and we just had a nice, nice weekend of basketball. It was very, very enjoyable. I'm glad we had this nice weekend of basketball. We're going to jump into this. We had two games Friday, you know, two games Saturday, and then two more games Friday, I mean, um, Sunday. So we're just going to jump right into these games and start off with Friday. So Friday night, we had 76ers Heat and Maverick Suns. We had Joel Embiid's return from injury, and you saw it was night and day. It was completely night and day. Um, At first, it was like, okay, you they don't have an answer for a seven-footer down there. Um, Joel Embiid didn't have the greatest uh, offensive game, but his presence there, you could tell, just made things completely different. They couldn't blitz Harden anymore. Uh, Maxi looked more comfortable. Like, Harden still didn't have a good game. Harden had a pretty piss-poor game for game three on Friday night, and they still won. Um, Danny Green had he shot seven for nine from the three. He had twenty one points. Like I said, Maxi five for six from the three. He had twenty one points, uh, and B had eighteen eleven. And then Tobias Harris didn't have the best shooting game, but it was still a good game overall for Philadelphia. Uh, Danny Green even was talking about he get, he said this how the game four, but he was talking about now that Embiid's back, he's been getting better looks, and it's just. Like, yes, he's still getting good looks with Harden because they were blitzing hard, but it's just something about, like, having that extra person on the floor. They just felt more comfortable. They felt more, like, you know, MB at this point is the 76. He is the process. He is the 76ers. So when you have your leader back, you start feeling more comfortable. It's just the game just feels easier. And you're home, so it just makes life a lot easier, and everybody knows you shoot better at home. Jimmy Butler, on the other hand, has been the only person to show up for Miami in these last two games. Jimmy Butler had 33-9 and this game, and he obviously dropped 40 the next game. This game, he, he, he was the only person not afraid of Embiid. He didn't shoot the best from the three, but he constantly attacked Embiid. Everybody else was very deterred, like Embiid just being there deterred them. Like they, they would look at him being down there in the paint, and they act like they want to go up, but then they, like, back out really quick. You could tell everybody else was very intimidated whether they want to admit it or not. The game film doesn't lie. They were very intimidated with Embiid down there in the paint, even with him not being 100%. Just his presence down there on the defensive end without him having to block a lot of shots just deterred them all away. They they just they just ran away with their tails tucked between their legs. Like, Bam Adebayo wasn't even looking to shoot. He wasn't looking to score, be aggressive. He didn't want to go down there and like bang down there with um MB. He just he was playing very, very scared and very cowardly. He needs um, which is very surprising because Bam is one of the better centers in the league. So if you're gonna just cause you see, I know he's six nine, but if you're just gonna see just cause he's seven feet tall, you're gonna back down. That's not the best look for the starting center and one of the best player, one of the best bigs in the league. That's not a good look from you. They need more from Tyler Hero as well. Tyler Hero is usually one of their leading scorers. He's been shooting poorly this game and last game. I think this game, uh, he had like ten points last game. He had fourteen. It wasn't. It, it didn't look good from for Tyler Hero at all. Because you, you, we just needed more. We needed. We needed more from them. Like I said, 
Jimmy Butler dropped 40 in the next game. Um, Bam obviously was more aggressive in the next game, game four. He kind of, he was, okay, I had 21, but we're going to need even more from that. Like, and I know that's uh, a lot, but I'm like, 21 and seven isn't going to get it done. Um, you're supposed to be the second best player on this team. 21 and seven is not going to give it, get it done when the best player on your team is dropping 40. Tyler Hero, again, like I said, no, he was it wasn't 10. It was 11 get points. No, no, I'm looking at it. It was 11 points and 10 rebounds, and he just 4 for 12 from the um, field. He couldn't get a shot to go. Kyle Lyre was also shooting piss poor. Um, he was 3 for 10. I saw a weird stat about Kyle Lowry's shooting percentage. I'm not sure how accurate it is, but um, it did come from StatMute, so it should be pretty accurate. But Kyle Lowry has been shooting just awful these playoffs he's missed 17 of his last 23s and like he's averaging six points shooting 29 percent from the field and 20 percent from the three this playoffs and that is disgusting because miami brought him out here to be a playoff veteran they gave him a nice pretty big contract to be that veteran point guard and be like hey we know you're not going to give us the most in regular season, but we expect you to step up in the playoffs and take care of business. And he hasn't been doing that. He hasn't been doing that. And without that happening, um, we're going to see. We're going to see. I know I, it is crazy because I said both these series are over. And I was like, dang, a lot of these series are over. And they're not. They're not. They're not. I, I wasn't expecting Embiid to get back so fast. But with Embiid back, you can see it's completely night and day. Um, Yeah. And just like I said at the beginning, whenever I was talking about the Miami Heat, I said the biggest problem with the Miami Heat is their half-court offense. I said their defense is phenomenal, everything else, but they don't have a superstar like that score in the half-court that can just be like, hey, we need you to carry us to a win. Jimmy Butler is good. You see, so it's, it's crazy to say, but like, oh, he just dropped 33 and 40. Yes, but 40 from Jimmy Butler is different from 40 from a different, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard to explain, Um, but let's say 40 from Steph versus 40 from Jimmy Butler. And those are two different 40 bombs or 40 from Giannis and 40 from what's called Jimmy Butler. They're, they're two different 40, 40 burgers. Like it's affecting the game in a different kind of way. It's like when Jimmy Butler's doing that, you're like, hey, Yes, quite a bit on fast break, but quite a bit you're like, okay, he's slashing and get to the free throw line. We're gonna live with it. We just gotta live with it. Um, because Jimmy Butler's not gonna just dominate like this. He does have the potential to put together these great performances, but we haven't seen it since the bubble for it to carry the team into the next game, like carry them all the way to the finish line because you're like, hey, everybody else not stepping up. Our shots aren't falling. We're not getting enough fast break points. Let's just, hey, I got to carry. I got to put the backpack on and carry us to the finish line. You just haven't really been seeing that much, and it's tough. It's tough because, like I said, Jimmy Butler's been playing phenomenal. The rest of his team isn't stepping up. We still haven't seen Duncan Robinson play. Um, It would be helpful to have shooting because they are struggling scoring in the half court and struggling shooting. But I also understand because, yes, you bring him on here to shoot threes, but if he's giving up so many points, like, what what good is he really with Duncan Robinson? Because, like, okay, yeah, we put him in the game. 
for like eight minutes. He's probably only going to get like three or four shot attempts, if that. He's going to get those three or four shot attempts. But if they're every single play on defense in those eight minutes, hunting him and being like, hey, every single time we're going to put you on an island, ISO you and have Harden ISO him, and it's going to end up in a bucket for Harden or it's going to end up a foul, I can understand why they're trying to not play him as much. So it's just tough. They got to figure it out. Coach Spo will figure something out. Um, like everybody says, it's the series don't start to um, a team wins on the road. We're going to see how it goes. Uh, the 76ers have momentum right now. They've been won back-to-back games. Embiid is back. Let's see if they can still win in Miami before going back to Philly. We're going to see. And then the next game we want to talk about is Phoenix and Dallas. Game three. Let's talk about Friday's game first. Uh, Devin Booker didn't look good that on um, Friday. Um, the Phoenix Suns as a whole just looked piss poor on Friday. It wasn't a good showing from them. Uh, it just it looked really bad. You had Chris Paul go out there and have more turnovers than assists, turnovers and field goals. Just like how every, we did the same thing with like KD. We did the same thing with Kyrie. We did the same thing with everybody else like Trey Young. And it's like, hey, Chris Paul went out there. He laid a goose egg. He didn't, he didn't play well at all. Um, but the Mavericks, they did game three, game three, they did what I've been saying they need to do with a kid. I said, with coach, with coach kid, what he said, his kid said, he's going to start having Luca play more off ball and we're going to see how it goes. You you saw his first, you saw a lot of times throughout the season where they started playing off ball, but you see when Luca came back for the playoffs, they went back to those old ways where Luca does everything and they're making everybody else beat him. Luca have dropping 40, Luca doing this, Luca doing that, Luca doing that. And it's having to go crazy. I'm glad. I'm so very, 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 very glad that the Mavericks stepped up and adjusted this way. They 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 adjusted real well. You had Luca, he dropped 26, 13, and 9 still. But you didn't have the ball just predominantly dominated by him. Jalen Brunson had a lot of opportunity to ISO and try to create his own shot. And he looked more comfortable rather than the first two games where he was having people set him up like Luca set him up. And Luca wasn't there. So for that last series, for most of that last year, so he was used to like ISOing and getting the ball how he wants it. And then when Luca first came back, he was like, you see, he was trying to adjust back, but it looked like he's starting to get his footing back and he's starting to adjust correctly. And he was just he was being he was able to score. He was able to do what they wanted him to do on the court, which was score. Um, it's crazy because Dallas's defense isn't doing anything too spectacular, but they are stepping it up to where um they're making the Phoenix Suns shoot uh for like around forty some percent from the field when the Phoenix Suns usually shoot about fifty percent and. As a team, shooting like 40% from the field, like include three-point or everything else, that's not too bad. But uh, obviously, the Suns are is dropping them significantly. So they're doing something right. They're doing something right defensively. It doesn't look like they they made too many adjustments. At least I can't see it. But, hey, it looks like the adjustment's working. Shout-out to the Mavericks. Game four was much of the same. Um, Chris Paul was not play- Chris Paul went out there and laid another goose egg. This not did not play well. Couldn't stay on the court. Only had five points because he fouled out early. Um, 
finished the game with five turnovers as well. Chris Paul just was just a non-factor. Just a non-factor again today. Devin Booker tried to put the team on his back and gave everything he could. He went out there and dropped 35, but he was limited to he could only do so much. He could they couldn't stop the Mavericks. Um, even through Devin Booker trying to carry him, they couldn't stop the Mavericks. You had Luca once again having a good game, and then you had Jalen Brunson having a solid game. But the story at night was Dorian Finney Smith. He went out there, dropped 24, hit eight of twelve from the three, and Shout out Dorian Finney-Smith. He, hey, he went out there. He was shooting. He was locking up on defense. He was doing everything you need. And I was I was curious to see how a lot of Mavericks fans, like, saw Dorian Finney-Smith. Because I always saw him just as a 3 and D player. But listening, like, looking from going from social media, um, I was looking at, I looked at some of the, like, Mavs, uh, uh, beat writers and some of their own like solo podcasts. I was listening to them just to see what they thought of that game. I was like, let me see. I was listening to it early in the morning. I was like, let me see how they feel about Dorian Finn Smith. And they were like, that's that's why they they say a lot of Mavericks people say Dorian Finney Smith is the heart of the Mavericks. They compared him to the Draymond Green of the Dallas Mavericks. They said he's the Draymond Green, the Marcus Smart of the Dallas Mavericks where he's not the best player on the team, obviously, but he's the heart and soul of the team. He does all the communicating defensively. He gets on everybody's tails and makes everybody correct, like corrects everybody and just makes everybody do what they need to do. And they're like, even those times during the game where he was looking at Luca and he's like, Hey, we need you to step it up. And he's like all up in Luca's face. And he's like, they're like, Hey, Luca, Luca doesn't say anything when it comes to Dorian Finney Smith, because he said, Luca's been like Dorian Finney Smith has been there all of Luca's career. They've played with each other in the entirety of Luca's career. And Luca, they have that trust between them to where it's like, Hey, you right where they, like they, they, he understands and he stepped it up and they, they adjust accordingly. So I was like, Oh, that's pretty crazy. I, I didn't know Mavericks fans thought him like that. Obviously, me not being a Mavericks fan, I don't catch every Mavericks game. So, obviously, a fan, like, me watching a Celtics game versus somebody else who's not a Celtics fan watching a Celtics game is two different things. So, the same thing with me watching the Mavericks game. I'm not looking at the same thing normal, like, hardcore Mavericks fans when they're like, yeah, we see this. We watch every game, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, watch, I catch the games when I can. But if a Mavericks game's on and, let's say, a Celtics game on, I'm watching that Celtics game on first. But... Shout out to Dorian Finney-Smith. He played real well. Um, I feel bad for Chris Paul's family because we got to get rid of some of these fans. We, we I don't want to have another Malice in the Palace incident, but we need something to step up because uh, they talked about, you saw Chris Paul tweeting after the game. You saw Chris Paul getting upset after the game, talking about um how fans get, I mean, how players get fined for saying anything to fans, but you have fans putting hands on Chris Paul's mom and Chris Paul's uh wife and I hate I hate NBA social media sometimes I really do because Dallas is my hometown but I felt very embarrassed to be from Dallas at this point because you saw a lot of fans Dallas fans uh trying to give up excuses and justify what happened they're like well the kid it was just a kid the guy looked like he was like 15 to 17 years old and Chris Paul is really going at him like he's a kid he made a mistake he doesn't understand I'm like I don't care that he's a kid you have to be corrected 
That's not okay. I don't care if you're, I don't care if he's 14. I don't care if he's 13 or 12. You know right from wrong. Like, I can understand you're like, oh, I made a mistake. I did some dumb things here and there. You know, there, there, there are dumb things you do. But to put your hands on somebody, as a male, putting your hands on somebody else's mom and wife, like pushing them, yeah, nah, they need to be banned and never allowed at another Mavericks game or NBA game ever. They should be permanently banned from the NBA, and that's just what they have to learn. Like, hey, it's, that's how it is. It's not, that's not okay. You have to learn, and that has to – if you don't give something like that, it's just going to let fans who already think they have the power and the right to say whatever they want to these players and do whatever they want to these players without no consequences – they're just going to keep empowering them even more and just having them feel like they can do whatever. And it's like, no, you need you, the NBA needs to step in because if they don't step in and then something crazy does pop off, then the NBA is going to be looking at the players like they're wrong. And it's like, no, they put their hands on my mom. Like, could you imagine, like, we're 15 years ago and you have a fan putting their hands on, like, Ron Artest's mom and his, and his wife? You have somebody even go 20, 30 years ago going out to like Dennis Rodman, going out to any of those players back then, even somebody like Boogie nowadays, like somebody like that. Like you just put some of these people that just like really just let the fans know they don't they don't really care about the fans. They don't play like that with the fans. It's something like that. Like the NBA has to step in at this point because that's embarrassing. That's extremely embarrassing. The NBA has to do better. And I hope they do come down with a harsh fine and a harsh punishment when it comes to this player and don't find Chris Paul, which I feel like they're still going to do because you can't make because he was pretty much making comments about it. You can't make comments. You know, the NBA doesn't like when you make comments They're like, hey, you don't have to uh, like talk bad about us and the light just come to us outside like behind the scenes we'll talk about it whatever but i really hope the nba does right by this but we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back talk about the last two games of the night um let's start off with the uh Celtics Bucks we're gonna keep this short we're gonna keep this short I'm still healing from this I'm still healing from this so we're gonna keep this short um a Giannis masterclass he had 42 12 and 8 
he didn't the Celtics still played pretty good defense on him because for Giannis, he's usually shooting in the higher percentage because most of his shots are around the basket. He shot uh 16 for 30. So for most of his shot being around the basket, still pretty good defense. Um I know a lot of Bucks fans were upset talking about the officiating, and Giannis felt he should have had more foul calls, which I don't I understand, but I don't understand because obviously Boston had twice as many free throw attempts as Milwaukee. And so I see the I see it going both ways. However, here's the thing. I know a lot of people get mad at Giannis for his foul. They're like, the fouls are called on Giannis, and they're saying, oh, these shouldn't be fouls. These should be this, this, and that. I don't have a problem with the way Giannis is officiated in that way. I, I've been very, very vocal on how the problem I have. The problem I have is when you have other players, such as Jason Tatum, I, like when I talked about it, I'm asking when he's posting up, and he just he's doing a back down and he gets called for an offensive foul doing a back down. It's like okay, he didn't really drop his shoulder or anything. He was just backing the player down to do a post fadeaway and he gets an offensive foul call or he drives to the lane. I see Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum drive to the lane, Euro stuff, and they there's like those fifty fifty calls and they usually don't get the benefit of the doubt and they get offensive foul calls against Milwaukee. And I'm like okay, okay, so that's how we're getting officiated. But then Giannis goes down and I see him lower his shoulder and barrel down to the paint and knock my players over, like knock two of my players over, and he gets a blocking foul. I'm like, hold up, ref. We I thought we were calling it this way. That's the only problem I have when it comes to the Giannis thing. I'm like, you need to call it both ways. If you're going to call offensive fouls for this, we need to stick with it being offensive fouls for this. If it's going to be a blocking foul, be consistent and call it a blocking foul. I think that's just what any NBA fan wants. Um, I've seen some people that really just hate Giannis and get mad about his calls, and I don't understand that because I'm like, Giannis is dominant. And just like a lot of Bucks fans said, like, when Shaq was dominating in the paint, like, yes, he got a lot of fouls, but there was a lot of fouls he missed too. Like, when you're just that big, you're that much bigger, you're that much stronger, you're just that much more dominant, people. LeBron has dealt with it his entire career as well. When you're that much more dominant and that much more physically imposing over everybody else, then you're not going to get the call every time. Whether we know 70% of the time you drive to the paint, you're getting fouled. However, they're not going to give you every single foul. Like some of those ticky-tack fouls that other players might get, you're not going to get those. However, so I'm like, I understand with that argument. I'm like, hey, he does, he does. You miss a lot of fouls for Giannis, but you also call a lot of fouls for Giannis. I just think, yo, know, like I said, the only problem I have is you have to call that in both ways. Like, yes, Giannis should get to the free throw line much more than he does, but I just don't I just don't think it's consistent enough with the whole oh somebody else drives and they get a ticky tack foul, things like that. However, like I said, Giannis masterclass performance, Drew Holiday. If you just look at the box score, you're gonna be like, Drew Holiday played awful. Eleven for thirty, three for ten. Oh my god. He didn't he didn't do anything. He shot poorly. He didn't really do the he shot thirty shots for twenty five points. Oh, my God. But Drew Holiday dominated this game. If you watch this game, Drew Holiday dominated 
this game. He was him and Wes Matthews dominated this game. Wes Matthews had three points, one for five from the field, and dominated this game. Wes Matthews and Drew Holiday defensively, they were menaces out there. They were complete menaces out there making the Celtics' lives a living hell. And not only was their lives being a living hell, on the other side, like I said, Drew Holiday shot very poorly. But every single time the Bucks needed a big shot, it was Drew Holiday there. A lot of times, like in the, in the, in the game, like the little fourth quarter, he got like a couple bounces go his way. But that's part of the game. Every single time the Celtics go on a nice run, you think they're about to get momentum, they're going to come back. Drew Holiday was there to rip their hearts out and either get a defensive stop or hit a big shot. And he didn't care who was on him. He was going in the post, and he was posting up fadeaways on Jason Tatum. He was driving here and hitting floaters. It was just every single time you thought the momentum was shifting and you thought the game was going to be like, okay, the Celtics have a chance because it was only a two-point game. So you see every single time you thought the Celtics had a chance, nope, Drew Holiday was there. Um, On that last, the last two possessions, you see it already. The last possession offensively from um the the Bucks, you see Drew Holiday get to the paint. You see, yes, there was a knockdown, but uh, he stumbled. And then you see Drew Holiday just shoot a floater up, knock it down, and you're just like, golly. That was a that was a tough shot. You see Drew Holiday hit a tough shot right there. And it's like, okay, well, Drew Holiday just hit this tough shot. Now the Celtics have a chance. They're down three. They have to do something. The Celtics ran a disgusting play. I, don't, I see a lot of something saying, crying, like complaining about that foul call. Can we talk about the play call? Ime Udoka usually has great play calls and everything. That last play call was disgusting. What was like, even our game plan? Um, it looked like we were just about to go for the quick two and try to foul, and it's like, we don't have time for this. We don't have time to go for the quick two, try to go back, because we still had a foul to give, I believe, so we would have to foul them. Get the ball, they would have got the ball back, and then we had to foul them again. So we had to foul them twice in a matter of like five seconds. I don't like that. I don't like playing to those odds, playing to those chances. Uh that that's just that's just not the smartest style of basketball for me. So I think we should have tried to as hard as we could to get the ball like uh, get a quick three from either Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I know Jason Tatum wasn't playing the best, so more than likely Jalen Brown, but to be scrambling on the last play and then try to get a prayer from Marcus Smart, who did get fouled, by the way, on his way up. But um, it's a it's a iffy call. I'm not going to blame that call on it because we're, we're – I also, also saw a lot of Celtics fans just, just being upset that Marcus Smart didn't get three free throws. Like, it was just a guarantee – we were going to make all three free throws. Uh, Marcus Smart's only a 79% free throw shooter. There's no guarantee he was going to make it. Don't put the game in the ref's hands. Don't put the game in the ref's hands. Everybody knows you're not supposed to put the game in the ref's hands. And if you're putting the game in the ref's hands, 
then you don't deserve to win. Like they're, they're you can't you can't be upset when you're putting the game in the ref's hands to make his decision. Because even after that, even after that bad call, we had a bunch of opportunities to win the game or tie the game, send it to overtime. We had a bunch of game time throughout this, the 48 minutes or the 47 minutes before that to win the game. That last six seconds does not, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't excuse the entire game. That last six seconds doesn't excuse Jason Tatum for going four for 19, 0 for 6 from the field to get 10 points. That last six seconds doesn't allow, like, Milwaukee going on countless runs and getting these big leads. That last six seconds doesn't do that. That last six seconds doesn't do that. We, like I said, even with that last six seconds, we had countless opportunities. Marcus Smart missed the free throw. A lot of people say he got fouled. He did get fouled on the putback, but also didn't get the call. Don't put it in the ref's head. After Marcus Smart missed the putback, Rob Williams had an opportunity for a putback. He missed a putback. Then you had Al Horford miss two putbacks. So we had four putback layups. Yes, they were contested around the basket in the last six seconds, and we missed all four putbacks. So we had the opportunity, and we had the chance, and we didn't capitalize. So to be like, hey, no, nah, we lost because X, Y, and Z, the refs doing this. I'm like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We are not going to blame the refs on this game. The refs, again, weren't out there shooting four for 19. The refs weren't out there shooting 27% from the three as a team. The refs weren't out there shooting 36% from the field as a team. The refs didn't do that. The refs didn't do that. Y'all did. The refs didn't miss four shots in six seconds, in the last six seconds of the game. Y'all did. So come on, now let's have some accountability. Let's bounce back tonight for game four, and let's just do what we do. Come on, Boston, we better than that. Fan base, y'all know we better than that. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Um, shout out to Milwaukee Bucks. Good game to them for game three. We got to steal one. We got to steal, steal a game on the road and just have it back to get our home court advantage back. We need to get our home court advantage back. I don't see Jason Tatum having a bad game like that again. I see him being able to bounce back. We're going to see how it goes. Um, Jalen Brown still played well despite his hamstring. Shout out to Uncle Al, too. Al, Al Horford has been hooping 22 and 16. He's been, again, I keep talking about that trade. He's been so dominant. But that's enough about the Celtics because I can go all day about the Celtics. I don't, I don't want to turn this into a full-on Celtics podcast. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the last game and then just move on. Um, The Warriors-Grizzlies. Both of these teams are starting to get annoying to me. They are both getting on my last nerves. It's getting to the point where I'm not gonna lie. I had uh, I during their games, I'm not gonna. I can't be on social media anymore. Because usually, what I do is I still I watch the games, and then obviously I talk about the games throughout the uh, the game. I I if I'm depending on what I'm doing. If I'm watching the game with some of my homies, like let's say I'm watching my homies, then I just talk about it with them. I stay. I, I don't really be on my phone. I stay. I just sit there and talk with them. If I'm watching the game by myself, you'll see me post throughout the game because I, I'm seeing how other people are talking. I'm talking. People are inter- 
interacting with me, people engage with me. We're just talking about the game throughout it, just to have that, um, just to have those conversations about the game, see what other people are thinking. But both of these teams are starting to get annoying because both of these teams' fan base are delusional, and it's getting to a ridiculous point. First, let's talk about the game. Jaw had thirty four. Yes, the Warriors blew them out by thirty, but Jaw had thirty four. Desmond Bain had 16. He shot well, but he wasn't aggressive enough. Jared Jackson Jr. was non-existent. And that's about it from what you're going to see from the Grizzly side. Warrior side, you have Steph had a... um, Steph was dominant. He had 30. He didn't shoot well from the three, but he had 30 points. Uh, Jordan Poole dropped another 27 and was dominant. You had Kaminga had 18, Wiggins had 17, Clay had 21. When you have, like, what is that, six players in double digits, and then um, that, that is just, it's just crazy. You have six players in double digits, five players with uh, 17 or more. That's just, that's, just, that's just a crazy game. That's just a crazy game. You see just everybody was just clicking on all sides. There was no stopping the Warriors that night. There was no stopping the Warriors that night. And the best part about it is the Warriors aren't even relying on their three ball. They're shooting like 60% from the field. I'm not sick from the field. Like they're shooting like six, the upper 60% from the paint. And the Grizzlies are only shooting like 40% from the paint. And that's what I'm saying. You have Steph dropping 30 on two threes because he's getting to the paint. 14 to 14 from the free throw line because he's getting to the paint. He's being aggressive. He's attacking. You just see this entire Warriors team attacking the paint. They're not scared of um, Jared Jackson. They're not scared of Xavier, Xavier Tillman. They're not scared of Steven Adams when he does play those little minutes. They're not scared of Brandon Clark. The Warriors aren't scared of the Grizzlies bigs, and they're making that very apparent. They're just attacking nonstop. But... Jaws more than likely not playing game four tonight. And if Jaws missing this game, the Warriors are going to take that 3-1 lead. And the, it's just, if the Warriors still that 3-1 lead and they still are on the road, I just don't see a chance for the Grizzlies to make a comeback, especially where we don't know how Jaws going to be back with his knee. Now to get into these teams' fan bases. How are they both so delusional? Both teams are playing dirty. Both teams are playing dirty. Both teams are making suspect plays. The thing that's starting to annoy me with Warriors Twitter is, first let's talk about, actually let me talk about the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies is annoying because they're complaining about the dirty plays from you have the dirt, the Grizzlies players and the Grizzlies fans complain about the dirty players from the Warriors. You don't see any of the Grizzlies. I mean, you see, I, I let me take that back. Let me retract that. You see, not as many Grizzlies fans defend their their actions as you see Warriors fans. There's a bunch of Grizzlies fans still defend their actions. I see, like, um, like when Desmond Baines diving on the floor and he's diving at Poole's knee. You see. People are like, well, you, if you watch Grizzlies games, you'll see Desmond Baines is very poor at diving at at the ball. He misses the ball all the time and ends up running into people. Whether it's malicious or not, 
is still a fairly dirty play. It's it's a reckless play and it's a dirty play because it's going to get looked at, seen as a, a dirty play, even if it's just a reckless play. So you have that going on with the um, Desmond Bain stuff. You have the Dylan Brooks incident, obviously. We're only three games in, and we've seen countless, countless dirty players from both sides. And it's just ridiculous. But I want to talk about Warriors fans for one second. Warriors fans are sitting here because uh, I've I've had a few conversations with them over the last few days, a multitude of them, and I'm not I don't argue with them. Come like I I be like this like they say no this doesn't happen. I'm like yeah it does. It's like right here right here and they're like no 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 no. And as soon as I see people be like no 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 no, even when you show them and tell them what happened in proof and they just completely denying like no 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 that's not what happened what about this this that and they start trying to stir the conversation change the conversation i'm like all right well i just stopped responding because i'm like you're not trying to have a legit conversation right here you're just trying to make up for your team like there's 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 it's okay saying you don't have to be such a homer and such a fan to be like well your team can't do any wrong because your team can do wrong I I literally tweet throughout the game and I call my own team out as a Celtics fan. There I can't remember exactly what Grant did. There was a there was a play there in the series where he looked he did something I can't remember off the top of my head, but it looked like it was fairly dirty. And I said, That's not a good look from Grant right there. That's not a look good look from Grant. Grant has to do better. Grant, you can't do things like that. And I'm I will call my players out. If it looks like they did something, I'm like, hey. You don't need to do something like that. Like that's kind of that's kind of messed up. That's kind of that's kind of dirty. Um, the only problem I have is when fans go again. Even with the Marcus Smart, uh, Steph Curry, I didn't feel Marcus Smart was trying to be dirty, but I felt like it was reckless. Like you shouldn't do. Like, I understand you want to be hustle. You want to do all that, and you want to do it. You you want to you want to be that player. You're the heart of the team. You you got to put your body on line. But there's certain times like yeah. Hey, that's kind of reckless. Let's not do that. But my thing is, on the other hand, you have Warriors fan be like, the Warriors would never do that. And then people put a compilation of Draymond's dirty plays, even against, just against the Celtics, and Warriors fans are like, oh, that's different. And it's like, how? How is that different? You see people talk about the Grizzlies fans bringing up Jordan Poole grabbing Jaws' knee. You have Draymond ripping down and poking people in the eyes and ripping their jerseys. And people in the Warriors fans like justifying it like it was an accident. Here they're like, here's the difference. Like Draymond didn't mean to. He was going for the ball and it just happened to do something. I'm like, no, he was not. He 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 was not. Um, it was it was very reckless and he missed everything. Just like Dylan Brooks missed everything and hit Gary Payton the second in the head. It was a bad look on both sides. And both sides have been playing dirty. Both sides have been calling the other team out. You they're being very vocal, but like I said, it's more annoying with Warriors because they're trying to justify the dirty plays and be like, we don't play dirty. And the difference between Warriors fans and other fans is um, like when like when this happened, they started trying to rewrite history, too. That was getting annoying. They're like, oh, when this happened, people didn't – when Danny Green hurt Clay, people didn't call – they were like, oh, it was an accident. When – Marcus Smart hurt Steph. We didn't say it was right. I was like, that's all y'all said. I literally saw it as a Celtics fan, too. I saw so many Warriors fans under my tweets and under my posts 
for a good while because I was just talking about my Celtics and they were just commenting and they were upset and they were just call they were like they were talking about these players. I'm like, that's Marvel. And I'm like, what are y'all talking? I was like, y'all can't be the same fan base that do this. Like, y'all can't be that same fan base. I just think both sides need to do better. It's not a good look on either side. Both sides are at fault. They both need to wake up and stop being delusional. But Anyways, it's been another episode of the Ask Geeks podcast. Always, always, always remember to respect women. But most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we out.